I want to talk to you today about rest for your soul. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to get some rest. You know, I mean, sometimes we think of the word rest and we think of just being lazy, right? How many have, be honest, that you have felt almost guilty about taking rest from the Lord? You, you get to a place where you feel almost guilty because you said, I should be doing something. And in the world today, it's all about doing. It's all about doing. If you look on social media and all the posts are about what you've done and what you're doing and, and people are putting pictures. We went out and we did this. We went out and we did that. The other day I was at the grocery store and I did this. I said this. I gave that. How I many know that's all well and good? But there's a time and a season where we need just to rest in the Lord. And, uh, and like I said, especially as ministers, and I know I have some ministers in here today and some watching. We get almost guilty when it comes to rest. And we think, well, I, I should feel bad that I'm resting or that God is speaking to me to rest. And again, like I said, that doesn't mean an extended vacation in Aruba. Come on. How many could just receive that right there, though? I mean, I could I could receive that. God, if that's the way you're moving, I want to move wherever you move. But uh, but it's just rest for your soul. And uh, sometimes we can get rest physically, but we're not getting rest for our soul. And uh, the other day I was talking to Pastor April and we were talking. I said, you know, we were talking about a particular minister we know. And we said, I think they're, I said, this came out of my mouth. Their heart is right. They have the right heart in what they want to do. They really do. Their heart is right. They love people. They want to see people help. Their heart is right. And then I said this without even thinking. I said, but I think their soul is in trouble. And when that came out of my mouth, I, I thought about it. I stopped for a minute and we began talking about that. And we said, you know, we, we've gotten like that before. You know, where it's like your heart is right, your motives are right, but your soul is sick. And so the Lord began dealing with me about that. What is your soul? Your soul, we like to say, is our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect. And you know, many times you can be all right spiritually. Come on. You can be doing the right things. You could be going through all the right motions and meaning it, serving the Lord, doing what you're supposed to do. You can have a, a, an active prayer life and worshiping the Lord and in service to the Lord, but your soul is not right. And it grieves me that that lately I've been hearing of pastors that have been committing suicide left and right, that have that have been losing their mind and walking out on things and ending their marriage and ending their lives and different things in church. I mean, committing suicide right on church grounds. Come on, we're in trouble when the people that we look to to get help can't even help themselves. And so I said, God, why is this? And we began to talk to somebody about why ministers are getting in trouble and why Christians, people that have served the Lord their whole life, and then all of a sudden they get down to the end and just flip out and do something crazy. I said, it's because their soul is in trouble. And so the Lord began dealing with me and he said, I want to give rest for your soul. Somebody say amen.
Matthew chapter 11, if you turn to verse 28, familiar passage of scripture, but um, this came to me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, I just pray that over the next few minutes, God, you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. God, to write upon the hearts of your people. God, to write upon the souls of your people. And God, I pray that we would truly receive what you have for us today. God, that we would receive the rest that you've laid up for us, God. We thank you for that, Lord. I pray that a rhema word would come forth, Lord God, as I teach today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come unto me. All you who are weary, uh, King James says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. And the first time he says, I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And that just jumped out at me and said, this is how you find rest for your souls. The first thing you do is you need to come. Look at somebody and say, come come unto me this was a command it was a kind of a a strong command and if you look it up in the greek it means come hither to me (laughs) how many parents have had to say come hither come hither to me right now that that's the and it's a emphatic of now but it's a command with some compassion And I started looking this up and I started seeing a command with compassion or a command with tenderness. And I thought, I didn't understand that at first. And the Lord, I felt like he gave me this revelation that many times when our children might be in trouble, you ever had your child that's been hurt or in harm's way and they're in trouble. And what is the first thought you do as a mother? Come here, come here, come here. Or father, come here, come, come to mommy, come to daddy. And what you're doing is you're saying, leave where you are. Somebody's going to get blessed right here. I tell you what, you're saying, leave where you are, leave what you're into, leave what has attacked you, leave what is tormenting you and come to me and come right now because I have the answer. And when I'm, I'm telling you emphatically, come to me, but I know that when you come to me, there's help, there's healing, there's a hug. Come on. There's compassion. And as soon as you get into my arms, everything that was attacking, everything that was harming you is now over. And I have the answer for it. As I was studying this out, it just blessed me so much that Jesus is saying that. And what he was saying, he was kind of saying that, come. And we find in the word, whenever Jesus said, come, something great happened. Miracles happened. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing that uh, Peter walked on the water right we all think about that no peter didn't walk on the water peter walked on the word come on he didn't walk on the water he walked on the word he said lord if it's you then bid me what come Come. 
And Jesus said one word, come. And it was that same word that was come, that was come to me, that was leave where you're at. And if you're scared, if you're worried, if you're troubled, if you're toiling, if you're sinking, come. And Peter, by faith, got up and walked out on that word. That's why he was able to walk on the word come. But then when he looked at his circumstances and he took his eyes off of the one that was bidding him and he started looking around, then he realized he was on the water and not on the word. And Jesus is so tenderly and emphatically saying, come. I know that you're burdened down. I know that you're going through stuff. And I don't even have to ask this morning, how many in this room have been heavy laden lately? (laughs) How many have been burdened? How many have been going through something? You know, you can get up and prophesy in any church on a Sunday morning and say, somebody in here has been going through a rough time. Come on. How many know that's that's 50% of the congregation at least? But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is saying, come, and he wants us to come. And it's like that parent beckoning the child and saying, come. And how do we get our babies to walk when we first come, come to daddy, come to mama? Because what we're saying is, I know you're unstable right now. I know you don't want to let go of that thing that's stability to you. But as soon as you let go, I'm right here. And I'm telling you, come, because there's safety in my arms. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's a word for somebody today that God is saying to you, if you'll just look at me, listen to my word, listen to my advice, listen to my beckon and my call, then as soon as you do that, I'm right there. And I've got the healing you need. I've got the power you need. I've got the strength you need. I've got the joy you need. Isn't it amazing sometimes as as, uh, grandmas and grandpas or aunts and uncles, when you go and you see the child that you hadn't seen in a while and they're kind of being the shy, they don't want to, and you come on over here, come to, come to, come see auntie, come see grandma. And they don't want to come at first. And what, you know, there's always a blessing behind grandma's come. Come on. I can remember there's this lady growing up and she was a, minister's wife at the church that my mom, she was my mom's friends, aunt and uncle. They were ministers. And as soon as I saw Mrs. Gilbert, I knew that she was, she had this purse and she always carried the same type of purses. And they had this, this little buckle on the front. I'll never forget as long as I live and it would flip up and there's a little pocket right there. And I mean, as soon as I would see her, she'd say, come on, baby, come see. And I'd I'd run over there and I knew when I got up there, she was flipping up that buckle in the front and she'd reach in and she had the most crisp dollar bills and she gave them to and to, uh, two dollar bills of my mother two dollar bills and she would she would take those out and she would give to here baby here and i said oh yeah and i knew that there was something behind that come come on somebody and uh our kids experienced that at our last church, the pastor's wife, she would love to see our daughters. And so when Arena was itty bitty, she would go over there. And as soon as she'd see Pastor Gala, she'd run up to her and she'd say, hi. And she'd say, 
what's in there? <laughs> and next thing you know, Pastor Gayla would have her purse open up in the middle of the floor and just letting Arena take whatever she wanted out there. And then when she was little, she just wanted the shiny coins. As she got older, I was like, honey, go for the big bills in the back. You know? <laughs> and the last time we were together with them, it was so funny. We were at a restaurant and all of a sudden here comes Addie and Arena and they, they're back with Pastor Gayla and they come out and Addie's got a fistful of money and I said, what are you guys doing with all this money? Like, Pastor Gayla gave it to us. I'm like, they wiped her out. She's like, I gave him everything in my wallet. <laughs> I'm like, man, do you go see her on payday? That's what you do. <laughs> but you know, behind that come is a blessing. Come on. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, you need rest for your soul. There's, he gives rest and he's telling all kind of people, if you know the father, you know me. If you know me, you know the father. And so people think, I know if I can get to God, God help me, God do this. And Jesus is saying, if you know me, you know the father. And then he says, come to me, all you who are labor, who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. The first thing he says is come. So the first thing we got to do to get rest for our soul is come. We have to let go of what we've been holding on to. We have to walk away from the thing that's been stability for us or the thing that's been a crutch to us. And we've got to come to Jesus. He's beckoning you. He's saying, come on to me. Quit trying to do it on your own. Just come here. Come here. How many times as a parent have we done that? We've let our kids fumble around with something or our spouse. Come on. My wife is the handyman in the house. I've told you that before. She Sometimes she lets me fumble around trying to fix something. And then finally she's like, okay, leave it alone. Bring it, bring it to me. She gets her tool belt on. Oh, oh. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, sometimes you're like, you've tried. You've messed it up. Now bring it to me. And. I don't know about you, but that blessed me. And then he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The next thing that I pulled out of here, I will. He's saying that I am the only one that can give you the true rest that you need. You can try other things. You can go. There'll be other people. There'll be other situations. There'll be things that will try to get your attention and try to pull you that direction. But Jesus is saying, I will give you rest. I am the only way. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the door. I am the only way. If you go any other way, you're messed up. If you come to God any other way, you're a thief and a robber. I am the way. I will give you rest. I am the only one that has the power to give you the true rest that you need. Because this is, they were laden down. They were burdened. It wasn't just, oh, they've been working hard. They They were burdened by philosophies. They were burdened by traditions of men. They were burdened by trying to measure up to what they thought God was putting on them. But it wasn't what God was putting on them at all. It was what man was putting on them. And they were trying to measure up to this. And it was a burden. It was weighing them down. How many know it's hard to live up to man's expectations? You're never going to do it. Because that's not what God has for you. Come on, somebody. You live up, you be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. Colossians 3.23 says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto God and not unto man. 
And when we get that picture and say, I'm here to serve the Lord, like I told you last week, I'm here to serve the Lord with Oh, thank you, Rebecca. You're listening. I was getting nervous there for a minute. I'm here to serve the Lord with gladness. And when I do that, I know that I'm pleasing him and all the burdens are coming up off of me. And I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, when you come to me, I will come over here. I've got what you need. I've got the $2 bills in the front of my purse. Come on. I've got what you need. I've got everything you desire, everything you need. I've got it. Somebody shout, God's got it. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke? A yoke is a, it's a contraption that would go around your neck and it would try to keep two animals or more animals together and try to get them to pull a load. And it was a burden. It was something. And really what that was, it was a control system. It was something that would try to get them to control and say, if I want you to go this way, you're going this way. If I pull this way, you're going this way. And it's a yoke. It's even, there's even a mechanical lever in an airplane and in some other systems that's called a yoke. And it's, it's called a yoke. I thought that was interesting when I was looking it up because it's a control bar. It's a control system and everything. How many know the enemy tries to control you? He tries to get, if I can get you yoked into a thing, then I can control you. If I can get you yoked to the wrong people, I can control you. Why does the Bible warn us about being unequally yoked? See, we thought for years that meant that a brother couldn't marry a white woman, right? How many, how many be honest and you've heard that teaching? To be unequally yoked means that you shouldn't marry outside of your race. That's baloney. Come on, everybody give a holy baloney right there. Holy baloney. What that means is don't be unequally yoked to somebody who's not pulling in the same direction. To somebody who's not as strong as you. Somebody who's not going the same way as you. Because if one ox wants to go that way and one wants to go that way, how many know you're not going to get anything done? They're unequally yoked. Or maybe there's one huge ox and one little bitty one and he's pulling him all over the place. You're unequally yoked. That has nothing to do with your race. That means to make sure that you're yoked up with the right people because whoever you're yoked to, that's where you're going to go. And you've got to be careful. You've got to be yoked to the right thing because God wants to control you, not you other things. Because the enemy will always try to do that. Why is it that whenever someone gets controlled by a substance, they call it a controlled substance. Whenever someone gets hooked to drugs or something, because what it does is that substance controls their life. It takes them in the direction that they want to go. I say it all the time. Sin will keep you longer than you wanted to stay, take you further than you wanted to go, cost you more than you wanted to pay. It's a control thing. It will take you that way. And there is a, um, debate in the word in the book of acts there's the debate about circumcision and they were worrying about well moses said it's this way and and you say it's this way and we need to make sure that god wants these people to do this and all of a sudden they had this whole council in jerusalem trying to figure this out we're going to settle all the problems what was they doing they were trying to yoke people with traditions they were trying to yoke them with these philosophies and saying you've got to live up to this standard 
And they're saying, there's no way we can live up to this standard. And all this doing is putting a burden on us and it's making us not even want to do it. How many will be honest? And there's times when you said, I don't even want to, I don't even know if I want to continue doing this because the pressure on me is so much. I don't even want to continue doing it. No matter what it is, whether it's our relationship with the Lord, whether it's our relationship with our family, hello, uh, let's just be honest. You thought, man, this, this burden is so much. I didn't want to do it. And so what happens here is they're in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, I'm not going to bore you with all the details. I think it's interesting, but you might not. And they're at this council in Jerusalem, and they're bickering about circumcision and everything. And Paul stands up and he says, wait a minute. It was God's will for everybody to come to him, even the Gentiles. He even wanted them to be saved. He wanted them to have salvation and to hear it. And he said he wanted them to follow his teaching. And he says, it's not about a physical issue. It's about the heart, that your heart is circumcised, that you've been cutting away the flesh and you're saying, I want to do what God wants me to do and not what I'm supposed to do. And I love Acts 15, 10, because this gives us a picture of what Jesus is saying right here when he says, take my yoke upon you. Acts 15, 10 says, now then, why do you test God? This is Paul at this council saying, now then, why do you test God by placing on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? He's saying, why are you putting something on them that none of us have ever been? I mean, if you put it in today's vernacular, he's like, don't even front. (laughs) None of us have been able to do this. So I don't know why you're trying to act like you guys are so better than everybody else and trying to put this on them. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. So I don't even know what we're talking about. Come on. That's what he's saying. He's like, it's not about that. It's about the heart. And man, I've got good news for you today. When you serve the Lord with gladness, what he's saying is, I want to take all that off of you. Come to me. All you who've been burdened down by the loads and the cares, been burdened down by whether you're good enough, been burdened down by if you measure up, just come to me. That's what it's all about. Come here. Let me get rid of that for you. Come here. Let me heal you. Come here. Let me put that on you. Let me reward you. Let me give you what you need. Let me fix your soul. Let me give rest to your soul. Somebody say amen today. So many people are soul sick and they're at that place. And when you get soul sick, I mean, you know, that's when the enemy comes at you. That's when you're most vulnerable, when you're soul sick. What do you mean, Pastor? You know, there's so many pastors right now fighting depression. And that's when they're soul sick. So many men go through things, and and I'm speaking to the men here today too. It's okay to have issues. It's okay to be vulnerable. Find somebody you can talk to and say, man, I need some help. It's not being strong, lying and walking around with a with a painted smile on your face and acting like everything's okay. That's not being strong. That's being stupid. Because when your soul gets sick, you're vulnerable. Samson got his soul sick. 
He got to the place where he just couldn't take it anymore. And then he became vulnerable. We all know the story of Samson. And in Judges 16, 16, it says in the king, I'm going to read in a couple versions. King James Version says, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. And then we know what happened. After that, he said, all right. I'll give you the secret. I'll tell you the secret to my strength. I'll tell you the thing that has been sacred to me. I'll give it up because my soul has been vexed unto death. Why? Because you went on and on. Another version says, because she nagged him day after day. Come on. I I know I'll make the ladies mad at me today, but (laughs) the first argument I ever got into with my wife. She wasn't even my wife at this time. We were dating, and I've told you before that I would always take prospective wives on a missions trip. I'm like, come on, your true colors are going to come out on the mission field. How many know that's true? You're under pressure. You got to see how you're going to see how they love people. You're going to see submission. You're going to see care. You're going to see their work ethic. All that's going to come out. Come on. Amen. You meals. <laughs> All that's going to come out on a mission trip. And you're going to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you're literally going to see the ugly because sometimes you can't get the makeup on and the hair is not. No. <laughs> you're going to see everything. And you're like, if I can live with you for a week to 10 days like this, then we can probably make it the rest of our life. And I remember the first mission trip we went on, we went to, I, I threw her into the fire. It wasn't, we're going to the Indian reservation or we're going to Mexico. I said, we're going to Africa. <laughs> she had never been out of the country. I said, we're going to Africa. And uh, I went to her parents and said, taking your daughter to Uganda with five other people. And, we're, and they're like, what? You're not, she's not going to Uganda. I said, she's going to be safe. We're going to Uganda and this is what we're going to. And I mean, they, they threw a major fit, but we went anyway, bless God. And uh, there were six of us going to Uganda and we had a great trip. The enemy came and things happened, but it was powerful. And the first argument, we had had a wonderful relationship. We had spent virtually every day together. We went on one date, one group date. The next day we went out on one date and we've been dating ever since. Come on, somebody. We were together every day, literally, and then no problems. Well, on this mission trip, I had told everybody, we're going to have a shopping day. We're going to do ministry. Then we're going to have a shopping day. We're going to go to the straw markets. We're going to shop. We're going to do all this, change your money because we're going to spend it. Well, Pastor April, when she gets something in her mind, it's there. And so if things don't go exactly the way you said it was going to go, then she she kind of tilts. How many know that's why God put her with me? Because my life is cray-cray. So he had to work that out of her. She's gotten a lot better now. But I remember she was, oh, we're going, what day are we going shopping? What day are we going shopping? Thursday. Oh, okay. What I think about Thursday. Okay. So Thursday rolls around and they're like, we want you to come and do some extra ministry. There's something going on. So I tell everybody, okay, we're going to go over and do another other crusade service and she's like and I can just see the look on her face <laughs> but 
But I thought we were going shopping tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably go shopping. Yeah, but you said we were going shopping. I was like, yeah, we'll probably still go. Yeah, but you told everybody that you were going to go shopping. I said, we are. We're going to. Yeah, but how are you? If you got this, we're, we're going shopping. I thought we were going shopping. She must have asked me 75 times within 10 minute period. I'm like, well, the devil, come out. What's going on? I mean, she, she phrased it every which way, but Saturday, well, are we going to go shopping afterward? When are we going to go shopping? I thought we were going to go shopping, but you even put it in the, in the book that we were going shopping. Even before we left, people changed their money. They said, we we're going shopping. I thought we were going shopping. I thought, and I'm like, what in the world? And I've answered it. I've answered. And there's, you know, I thought we were going shopping. Well, how are we going to go shopping? Well, yesterday we didn't get done until two. How are we going to, everything will be closed. Are we going to go shopping? And I just finally, I grabbed her by the shoulder. I said, stop it. <laughs> I was like, look, we will go shopping. And if we don't go shopping, I don't care. You can buy something at the airport. (laughs) I just lost it. I'm like, what in the world? And she's like, and that was the first time I had ever, you know, she'd ever seen that side of me. She's like, and then, of course, she got me. One little tear, she comes out. I'm like, ah. And obviously, I got a nice African outfit, you know. <laughs> I got some nice little things. You saw who won the argument. I mean, it's that she's more than a conqueror. We went shopping. <laughs> but it was funny because she just kept. And so when I'm reading this, I'm like, he, she nagged him day and night, asked him, what's the strength? What's the secret to your strength? What's the secret to your strength? Are you going to tell me? How are you? How strong are you? I know you're strong, but tell me just, are you strong? Are you strong? How'd you get strong? So how'd you get so strong? I thought you were going to tell me. I thought you were going to tell me now. Now you're going to tell me. When are you going to tell me? And he finally said, my soul is vexed to death. Another version says, she wore him out. <laughs> The contemporary English version says, until he couldn't stand it any longer. I can't stand no more. I've had all I can stand. And so how many of you, you've been in that place where you're just going through life, you're going through things, things are coming at you day and night, and you're just like, I'm wore out. I can't stand it any longer. I'm being nagged to death. And now, bless God, I have two little mini Aprils in the house that are <laughs> three, I know. Uh, Angelis already starting out. And how many of you just been in that place where like, man, I, I'm wore out. I can't stand any longer. The pressure, whether it's trying to measure up to what everybody says that I should be for my walk with God. Come on, it's my walk with God. What everybody says that I should be as a husband, a wife, a, a mother, a father, a spouse, whatever it is, an employee, whatever it is in life, you just feel like I can't take it any longer. I'm wore out. My mind is tired. How many just get you constantly thinking about something? You're like me. It's like your mind just doesn't stop. You go to bed and you just keep going. You're just thinking about stuff. You, you, you get your mind wore out. Your, your emotions wore out. People will tire you out. People constantly talking to you about what they're going through and you have to put on different emotions. 
You know, you ever been around people where this minute you got to be happy with them and you don't want to be happy, but you, oh yeah, that's great. Let's go. Oh, I'm so excited. And then the next minute you got to be sad with somebody that's telling you something. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then you've got to be, uh, caring for somebody and you're like, I could care less about this right now, but you've got to be caring. And then you just go back and forth with it and you get in this emotional whirlwind and you're like, my emotions are wore out. You ever been there? You're mine. Your will. Don't look at anybody next to you. <laughs> your emotions, your intellect, trying to figure things out. Man, I know what I'm looking at. And I know two plus one doesn't equal six. And I know I need six. And all I got is two and one. So I'm trying to intellectually figure out how I'm going to get from A to Z. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make ends meet. And I'm trying to figure out what next year is going to look like. And I'm trying to figure out what our futures and how I know God, you spoke something to me, but how am I going to get there? I don't know what to do. I've been trying to do this. I've tried to do that. I've messed it up and I'm just wore out. My soul is vexed. I can't stand it anymore. Be careful because when you get soul sick, that's when the enemy attacks. Samson let his guard down. Jesus, after a good thing, come on, how many know it can be bad or it can be good? Right after Jesus had his baptism by John, he gets baptized. All of a sudden the sky opens up, says the voice of God comes out and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. All of a sudden he gets affirmation. He gets approval from the father in front of everybody. He gets set up to be who he really is. That's a highlight in his life. And then he goes on a 40 day fast. Come on, consecration unto the Lord, 40 days. And then what happens right after that? Satan drives him into the wilderness and tempts him. He gets to a lowest place in his life and he's tempted by the devil. The devil could not tempt the son of God any other time. Jesus, a man filled with the Holy Ghost, was not tempted by the devil until after these things. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because here he was, his spirit was good, his body was good, but his soul was weak. I hope you're getting something today. And what does Jesus say? Take my yoke upon you. He's saying my yoke is not one that's controlling. My yoke is not one that's hard to bear. Matter of fact, he says mine is easy and mine is light. That translates in the Greek to mine is enjoyable. Mine is employable. You can do something with mine. Mine is for you. Mine is sensible. Take my yoke upon you. It's my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. First John 5, 3 says, in fact, this is love for God. Keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome, are not grievous. They're not heavy. They're light. Hallelujah. Sometimes God has to make us take rest for our soul. David, you can go on up to the keyboard. Sometimes in life, God has to make us take rest. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not have any like. He makes me 
to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes he makes you lie down. Sometimes he says, you know what? You've been going way too much. I'm just going to make you lay down. But the good thing about it is it says he makes you lie down in green pastures. When you study that out, that means he makes you lie down in lush, good place where you're going to be able to eat. He's going to feed you. He's going to take you to the place that it's full of nutrients. He's going to take you to the good grass. He's going to take you to the place. And if he makes you lay down, there's going to be everything you need right there. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. I love teaching on the shepherd. It's such a great analogy, but he said he makes you lie down. And there's so many things that the shepherd sees from his perspective that the sheep don't see. And somebody, this might have been what you need to hear today. From the perspective of the shepherd, he can look and he can see where you need to go. He can see what's ahead. And as we follow the shepherd, And stay close to him. And the sheep know his voice. And say, come with me. I'm going to make you lay down in green pastures. I'm going to take you to a place that is lush. I'm going to take you to a place that is blessed. I'm going to take you to a place that every need is supplied. But you have to come with me. If a sheep decides he ain't going to come with the shepherd, he's going to do his own thing. He's not going to green pastures. And what happens? We all know the verse. He'll leave the 99 to go after the one. And we've seen the pictures of the shepherd with the hook stick and grabs the little sheep. And then we see him with the the sheep over his shoulders, carrying the sheep. And how many have seen that picture and thought, oh, isn't that cute? The little lamb is around the shepherd's neck and Thing. There's there's legend, I've heard it both ways, that say that when that happens, that the shepherd actually broke the leg of the lamb and put him around his neck so that he would learn as he healed to stay close to me. To stay close to me. When you get better, you stay right here. And that sheep never wants to leave him again. And we think, oh, that looks so cute. He's, he's carrying him. It's his favorite. <laughs> no, that's the one that got out of line. That's, and some of us, we've had to have our three out of four legs broke. <laughs> and he was getting ready to snap our neck. In the <laughs> but, but God, sometimes he'll make you lie down in green pastures. Now, I'm, hear me, if you're watching, don't send me nasty emails. I'm not saying that God puts sickness, disease on you. I don't believe that for a minute. He's a loving father. He would never put anything on us to t- teach us a lesson. But sometimes he causes us to take a breather, to rest. And that's a word for somebody today that you just need to rest in him. And it's okay to do that. Come unto him. And just rest for your souls. Because God wants your soul to be happy. I want your soul to be happy. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So it's my goal for you to be soul healthy. To find rest for your souls today. Hallelujah.